As followers of Christ, we know we're supposed to pray when the church gathers, but it's all too easy for prayer to become a thoughtless routine in which we don't even stop to think about who we're praying to. We rarely have a sense of desperation for God's help. We lack zeal for His beauty. Our confession, if there is any, often misses the seriousness of our sin, and our prayer and praise tend to be lukewarm if we're honest. In this message, David Platt uses Psalm chapter 27 verse 4 and other passages to point us to the kind of prayer that ought to characterize God's people. The church should come to God humbly, expectantly, and zealously, calling out for His grace and strength as we seek to enjoy and proclaim His glory. This is the Radical with David Platt podcast. Here is David with a message titled, You Need Biblical Prayer. Well, that's it for today's episode. I'm your host, Stacey Martin. For additional articles, podcasts, events, and more, visit Radical.net or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to Psalm chapter 27. Feel free to use table of contents if you need to. It's right in the middle of the Bible. Just kind of open up. You'll be around Psalms and chapter 27. And as you're turning there, I want to welcome those of you in Loudoun and Montgomery County and Arlington and Prince William and others online. It's good to gather together in all these places before God and to hear from his word. And today I want to do something pretty different. So we're in week three of 12 weeks on why you need a biblical church. Why you, right? We're You are sitting right now, no matter how young or old you are, no matter what age or stage you are in life, no matter what your background is or what your present or future looks like, you need a biblical church, a specific kind of community that God has designed for you to experience life to the full. So two weeks ago, we saw that You and I need biblical preaching and teaching in our lives, in a church. So to gather together with other brothers and sisters in Christ, sons and daughters of God, and to listen to him hear his word. This is what God's people have done for literally thousands of years. To think that what we're doing right now is carrying on a pattern that has been taking place for a thousands of years among God's people. And then last week, we saw that you and I need to commit to a church, a local body of believers in this big global body of Christ, to look in the face of some other people and to say, I'm committed with you to being and doing all that a church is and does together with you. And so now we're getting into all that God says the church is and does. And this week, I want to show you that you need a church that prays. And as soon as I say that, you might think, well, thank you, Captain Obvious. A church prays. Hadn't thought about that before. I need prayer. I guess, yeah, I need prayer. But I have been so convicted this week. I don't think we really pray. Or maybe I put it this way. Most of us, and I include myself in this, are nowhere close to praying 
in our lives and as this church, the way we have been created to pray. I've shared before about the last trip I took to South Korea. I was preaching in a church. I'm sitting down here at the front of this church looking at my notes as a pastor in the church got up on stage to speak. I didn't understand what he was saying in Korean. So I'm just again looking over my notes in the front when all of a sudden, without any warning, a roar of voices fills the room. And I look around and everyone yells what sounds like, Juyo. And some of you are Korean and you're like, oh, that was horrible. But if you, I think you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. They all start, they yell that and then just start speaking and shouting at the same time. Some of them, their heads are bowed. Others, their hands are raised. Most of them, their eyes are closed. They're all crying out with passion, like all ages, from young to old to from men and women, all of them, almost like they're pleading or crying in desperation. And I turn to the next guy next to me who's helping translate things, and I ask, what is happening? And he says, they're praying. And he tells me that what sounds like juyo is in Korean is, uh, well, in English, what it sounds like, is Lord in Korean. And I said, well, what did the pastor share that led them to pray like this? And he said, he just told them to pray. This is how they pray. And he starts translating what different people are saying. He says, some are praising God, others are thanking God for his grace in their lives, some of them through tears, some confessing sin, Others are praying for people in need. I said, how long is this going to last? And he said, until they're finished. <laughs> he starts talking to me about how some of them gather at 4 o'clock every morning to pray for an hour or two or three like this. Many of them gather all night on Fridays to pray. And that's when it hit me. I have spent my whole life in a church culture that just plays around with prayer. I, I remember hearing my seminary professor when I was in graduate school telling me about his trip that he just got back to from South Korea. He's standing in a hotel and about four in the morning, he's woken up to this loud noise out loud, outside and he's kind of frustrated. He goes over to the window, opens the blinds on the window, and he looks out, and there's a stadium full of people, and they're shouting. And he's super frustrated. Like, what sporting event do they play at 4 a.m. in the morning, and why was this not advertised with this hotel that this would be the case? And so he tries to go back to sleep, can't go back to sleep. And a few hours later, ends up going downstairs to the lobby of the hotel, goes to the front desk, says, what sporting event was happening at four o'clock this morning? And the person at the front desk said, oh, that wasn't a sporting event. That was the church gathered together to pray. And we know nothing of this in this church culture. Now, we do know about gathering in stadiums. We'll do that all weekend long. And we'll shout 
And our affections will be ignited over a bunch of guys running around with a pigskin thing in their hand trying to cross a white line. What are we doing? Where have we totally missed it? And you look at the story of the church in Korea, this is, if not a mark, the mark of the church. From the beginning of the 20th century, Korean Peninsula, less than 1% Christian. Beginning of the 21st century, 100 years later, there were 10 million followers of Jesus in South Korea alone. Doesn't even include underground believers in North Korea. How do you go from less than 1% Christian to 10 million followers of Jesus? Can you imagine that happening? Imagine a country today that's less than 1% Christian, Yemen. Can you imagine 100 years from now, there being 10 million followers of Jesus in Yemen? Is that possible? Well, apparently it is when people actually realize what prayer is. And why, why don't we pray like this? Why don't we pray for hours at a time? Alone? And get together to do this. Don't, don't we need God in our lives? Do we need God in our families? Do we need God in our city? Do we need God in our country? Do we need, do we want the glory of God among the nations? Then we'll pray. Like really pray. If we're not praying like this, it's a pretty clear picture. We're saying we don't need God in these ways. And I should add, I was just talking before this service with a woman who happens to be Korean, sister in this church family, who uh, she and the group she's a part of are doing this. Uh, They were together for two hours up here, eight to 10 o'clock yesterday morning. She said she comes up here at eight because that's what time the church opens and she'd rather come up here earlier, but the building didn't open. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. So I have a picture in my mind that I want want to put on the screen based on an article I read this last week. Actually, before I put it on the screen, I'll give you a little background. So months ago, I was preaching at Oak Cliff uh, Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, where Tony Evans' pastor is a Friday night pro-life event. And I took Isaiah, my nine-year-old, with me. So we flew down there. We get to the rental car place. And it was one of those situations where the rental car company said, you can pick any car from this area. And usually that area is filled with just your normal mid-sized vehicles at least for me. But right in the front, in this area, first car, I think had just been pulled around, was a silver Ford Mustang. And Isaiah saw it, and he looked at me and smiled. And I saw it, and I looked at him and smiled, and I said, buddy, you want, you want us to get that one? He said, absolutely, Dad, this is going to be epic. So. <laughs> We hop in this Mustang, and I have never driven a sports car like this before. It was amazing. In the confines of the law, it was amazing. We had a blast. Like, that thing could go from zero to a lot in a little. Like, our favorite moments was were when, when uh, a red light, uh, we were stopped at a red light and we were the first in line. Like we would go super slow at a green light so that it would stop and we would be able to accelerate. 
Like this mega horsepower engine took us for a ride. So with that background, here's the picture. So here's the picture. I'll put it up here on the screen. There's a guy in the middle of this picture. I think it's coming up. Uh, here, here we go. All right, here we go. All right, here, this guy, this guy in the middle, I'll try to zoom in on him. All right, that is Harold. Harold is 101 years old. So Ford did this promotional story on him because he's one of only a few people alive today who drove the first Model T when it had come out. So they brought out a Model T for him to ride in again, and then he get, got to ride in the new Ford Mustang Mach something. And I just thought, well, those were two pretty different experiences. <laughs> I one just kind of putting along. The other one could get up and go. And I share this story because I think I've spent most of my life in church treating prayer like it's a Model T. Just kind of putting along. It's a nice ride. When God has designed me to experience the rush and the thrill of a Mustang. And I believe this is what God is saying to you and to me, to us today. God is saying, I've created you to experience the thrill of communion with me of conversation with me, of crying out to me, of me hearing your cries and me answering your prayers and me involving you and what I'm doing in your life and others' lives and people around the world. I've created you to live through prayer. Individually, like to you to, for you to hear that today, God has created you to experience the thrill of being with him in prayer. And then for us, as a church, together, God's saying, I've not created you to putter around in a casual, monotonous, religious, cultural, Christian, just go through the motions church life where we bow our heads and we pray at different points and we, we really don't think about who we're talking to and our minds are actually going in a million different directions while heaven is just shouting, do you realize who you're talking to? Do you realize who you've gathered together before right now? Like the holy, holy, holy God of the universe? So that's why I want to do something a little different this morning. Because I don't want to just talk about prayer. I want us to experience God in prayer. I don't want to spend 45 minutes telling you about an engine and a Ford Mustang. I want to get in the car with you and let's put our gas pedal down to the floor and let's feel what it's like to commune with God. As he is saying, I want you to experience something with me that you can't experience anywhere else in the world. So you and I need biblical prayer. So I'm just going to take this acrostic that we use around here a lot for prayer, P-R-A-Y, and I'm going to give us one text for each of these letters, and I'm going to lead us to pray along the way across all our locations all together. And I know, I know some of you are here and you're exploring Christianity, and this might feel kind of different for you or maybe even awkward for you, but I hope, I've prayed specifically that God might use this time to open your eyes to the reality that you, right where you're sitting, are created for relationship with God. So here's the background for those of you who are exploring Christianity. The Bible teaches us that all of us 
are created by God for a relationship with God. Think Adam and Eve in the garden, just walking and talking with God, just enjoying God. This is what you were made for. The problem was they and all of us sinned against God, which has separated us from relationship with God. We've turned aside from God to our own ways. And the Bible teaches that if If we die in this state of separation from God, we'll spend eternity separated from him and judgment do our sin, eternity separated from his love and his grace and his mercy. But God loves us. This is the good news at the core of the Bible. He's not left us alone in this state. God has come to us in the person of Jesus. And Jesus has lived a life none of us could live, a life of no sin. And then even though he had no sin to die for, he chose to die on a cross to pay the price for sin For sinners, anyone who will trust in him, and the good news keeps getting better because he didn't stay dead for long. Three days later, he rose from the grave so that anyone anywhere, including anyone in this gathering right now who turns from their sin, puts their trust in Jesus, you will be forgiven of all your sin and restored to relationship with God to be with him for all of eternity. To know and enjoy God forever and ever and ever. So we invite you to put your trust in Jesus today and pray with us. If you're not ready, willing to do that, though, then just observe during this time. I hope you see what it looks like for people to spend time with God and to speak to God, Him to speak to our hearts. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a relationship with God, sadly, this even may feel awkward for you at times, but it should not. Not prayer. So allow yourself to be stretched. We're just going to touch the surface today. So, all right, here we go. Pray. P-R-A-Y. We use this acrostic a lot, so let's... uh, Start. P stands for what? Praise. Praise. All right. Psalm 27, verse 4. Just one verse. Listen to this verse. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Oh, what a verse. One thing I've asked of God. I only want, I want one thing. That's all I'm asking for. One thing. I just want to dwell in the house of the Lord. That's all I want. I just want to be with God. I just want to see him, gaze upon him all the days of my life. This is the one thing I want. I just want to gaze upon the beauty of God. I just want to see him and talk to him, inquire in his temple. Oh, this is the foundation of prayer. And follow it. Most of us miss it. It's one thing. Because we usually pray because we want things. Right? Why do we pray? Because we need this. We want that. And so we ask for things. And that's not wrong. We're going to see that in a minute. God actually tells us to ask for things. So we, yes, that's part of prayer. But don't miss what Psalm 27 verse 4 is telling us. The primary purpose of prayer is not to get something, but to be with someone. And realizing that changes the way you pray. Dwelling with God. That's what it's all about. It's about gazing upon the beauty of God. So just ask the question, is that the one thing you want? Is God the one thing you want over every other thing? It's almost like David who's writing this. It's like he's an addict. If I could just have this one thing. 
Just want this one thing. I'll be happy if I get this one thing. And that one thing is just to be with God. Everything else can be gone. I can have nothing else. I have this one thing, gazing upon God, that I'm great. Is that true in your life? Like, really? This is so important because I think we've created a whole conception of Christianity in American culture that instead of making God the addiction in our lives, the one thing we want, we, we seem pretty content to make God an addition in our lives, along with a lot of the things we want. And we'll tack on God on Sundays and periodically even maybe through the week, but we want a lot of other things. Is he the addiction in your life or an addition in your life? How you answer that changes the way you pray. Maybe another way to put it. Maybe if I could ask it this way. Do you pray because God is useful to you or because God is beautiful to you? How you answer that question will affect the way you pray. I just want us to pray right now because God is beautiful us. I want us to seek God because we want to see him and know him and love him and thank him and ascribe praise to him like a lover who just wants to be with their beloved, who wants their beloved to know how beautiful they are. Like this is the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is where life is found in a loving relationship with God. You're missing life if you're missing love relationship with God. So let's do this. This is, this is not just for us to sit back and talk about. So again, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, we invite you, trust in Jesus. If you're not ready to do that, just observe during this time. If you are a follower of Jesus, let's, let's get in the Mustang here, even if that stretches you some. So I wanna invite all across this room and other locations, let's, let's stand up for this part. Let's stand up or, or let me give the option. I know it's kinda of tough with the way seats are and the way we set it up. Like, if you, if you want, feel freedom to kneel down, on your knees, on your face. You can go into the aisles if you want. Just feel free to lift up your hands if it's appropriate. So don't, I guess the point is, don't think about what anybody else is doing right now. Like this, you're not the audience that I'm speaking to. God's the audience here, and we're speaking to him. He's the audience. So, so I just want us to, to pray and prayers of praise doing Psalm 27, just gazing upon God. So I'll get us started. And then once I've gotten started, then let's just start all across this room, other locations, all these places we're gathered around Metro DC. Let's just at the same time start. And this is not a golf event. So it's not. So this is, this is stadium. Like we love you, God. We want you. We praise you because you are this and that. We thank you for this and that. So you just start all the same time. We're going to start praying to him. So God, our Father in heaven, the one before whom all angels bow, holy, holy, holy. Right now, we lift our voices to you, and we pray that you would be pleased, be glorified in our gazing upon your beauty and ascribing praise to your name. So let's do it right now. Let's just start calling out prayers of praise, prayers of thanksgiving to God. Go for it. You feel free to continue as you pray. God, we praise you. There is no one like you. All the gods of the nations are idols. You alone made the heavens. You alone are God. You alone are worthy of all glory and honor and wealth and wisdom and might and power. 
You are king over all. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Rapha, our healer, our banner, our comforter, our strength. Jesus, you are our life. You're our joy. You're our peace. You are hope. You are our everything. God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory, and we love your beauty. We love your majesty. We love your infinite glory that goes on and on forever and ever. Ten trillion years from now, we'll still be gazing on new beauty and new glory in you because it has no end. There is no one like you. And we say together, we worship you. We praise you. We glorify you. And we pray, God, give us Psalm 27 for our hearts, that you would be the one thing we seek. I pray that for every one of our lives. I pray that for our kids, the next generation, that you would be the one thing we seek. And we praise you, Jesus, for making this possible, to dwell in your house all the days of our lives. We love this, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. Okay, all right, you can have a seat. Um, for this next time in prayer, and I'm, I'm telling you, we're just gonna be scratching the surface, scratching the surface. I so wish we had like hours right now. Um, and we're going to be doing that Friday night coming up soon, but I hope, I hope this whets appetite. And if it doesn't whet your appetite, that you might ask, why is it not wetting my appetite? Just, just dwelling with God. So, R, repent. R, repent. So the... Here's the verses I'll put on the screen here. Psalm 51, verse 1 and 2. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Exclamation point. There's a pleading here, this prayer of confession by David after he had sinned against Bathsheba and her husband and all the people he was leading. It's a model for us in repentance that we see all throughout the Bible individually, as a church. In fact, go back to South Korea with me for a minute. Or actually, not South Korea, just the Korean Peninsula. That story started 1907, what I uh, called the Pyongyang Revival or Korean Pentecost, when uh, a conference was held with leaders, so Korean Christian leaders and missionaries. So not many of them, but they came together for a gathering. Uh, in anticipation of that gathering, many were praying, God, we are just desperate. We need help. So they came together in Pyongyang, what is now the capital of North Korea. And during the meeting, in a way nobody had planned, these Christian leaders, both Korean Christian leaders and missionaries from other countries, they were all of a sudden overwhelmed by their sin and their need for repentance and started confessing their sin publicly in the gathering. 
hidden sin before God, sin that they had against each other, bitterness toward each other. And their confession just started to multiply. This one, this one, this one, all across the room. So one pastor wrote about that first night and said, the sound of many people praying at once brought not confusion, but a vast harmony of sound and spirit, a mingling together of souls, moved by an irresistible impulse of prayer. He said, the prayer sounded to me like the falling of many waters, an ocean of prayer beating against God's throne. Just as on the day of Pentecost, God came to us in Pyongyang that night with the sound of weeping. As the prayer continued, a spirit of heaviness and sorrow for sin came down upon the audience. Over on one side, someone began to weep, and in a moment, the whole audience was weeping. He said, person after person would rise, confess their sins, break down and weep, and then throw themselves to the floor and beat the floor with fists in perfect agony of conviction. One friend of mine tried to make a confession, broke down in the midst of it, and cried to me across the room, Pastor, tell me, is there any hope for me? Can I be forgiven? And he threw himself to the floor and wept and wept, almost screamed in agony. Sometimes after a confession, the whole audience would break out in audible prayer. And the effect of that audience of hundreds of people praying together in audible prayer was something indescribable. Again, after another confession, they would break out in uncontrollable weeping. We would all weep. We could not help it. And so the meeting went on until two in the morning with confession and weeping and praying. They got serious about sin in a way that, let's just be honest, is totally foreign to us. We realize, right, how easy it is. What is more common to us is to come together in a gathering like this on a Sunday holding on to sin, maybe some hidden sin in our lives. We can sing some songs, say some prayers, listen to a sermon, and walk out holding on to the same sin and not think a thing about it. Sin that is keeping us from life. We need to repent in prayer. And obviously, you, just, you can't like, manufacture that moment. I wouldn't want to. So here's what I want to do right now. And I, I was trying to think, okay, is there a way we could just publicly confess sin in this gathering? And here's how I want to lead us to do that. I'm thinking about all the different places where we're gathered right now in this unique way. So I, f I forgot to make a slide for this, so I'm just going to write it up here. Um, but many of you were here last week. Uh, you know we used uh, something for some feedback called menti.com. So if you have a device, a uh, phone or some kind of device, menti.com. And if you go there and put in this code, so here's the code, 725938. Five, three. So if you go there, there's a place for you to write in, God, I repent of. And I, I just want to invite uh, as many as would be willing, and this is totally anonymous before each other, not obviously before God, but just to write in, what, what do you repent of? What do you need to repent of in your life right now? And whether you do this on a device or not, we just would pray this right now. Got to repent of. But what I want to do is I've able to see all these things coming in. And so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pray this on behalf of all of us, what we're writing in. So if you go, go to menti.com right now, 7259-3853, write that in. This is just, so one way we could do this. So, so let's, let's go into a time of repentance and prayer. And I just wanna confess our sin before God and our need for his grace on behalf of all of us. Let's, let's pray.
God. You are holy. We want to be holy as you are holy. But we have sin in our hearts that we want you to remove from us. We want it to be gone. So we could we confess it to you now, knowing that you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness through Jesus' blood on the cross for us, cleanses us from our sins. So we repent right now of our pride. It's like right at the center of what we're writing in. It's the center of it. It's right in the middle of all these words surrounded. Pride is the biggest one. God, we confess, we repent of our pride. We repent of anger, of our bitterness. We repent of lust. Repent of sexual sin. God, we repent of our worry, our tendency to worry instead of to trust you. We repent of impatience, gossip, cunning, self-righteousness. God, we repent of our self-righteousness, of our self-centeredness. We repent of our cursing, of our lying. We repent of our idolatry, of running after so many idols in this world, of our worldliness. We repent of our short tempers, of our indifference and our apathy. We repent of our lack of compassion for the ways we don't love others as ourselves. God, we repent of, for not sharing the gospel, for staying silent with news of your salvation. God, we repent for not listening to you, not trusting in you. We repent of our impure thoughts, for our lack of self-control, for our ungratefulness, for our prayerlessness, for our envy, our constant comparison of ourselves with others. God, the list just goes on and on, deceit materialism, discontentment. God, you see all these things in us. You see all these things in each of our lives. We confess our need for your mercy, your abundant mercy. Have mercy on us, O oh God, we pray. According to your unfailing love, we praise you for your unfailing love. Jesus, we praise you for taking all of these sins on yourself in our place. We praise you for paying the price for all of them, for the forgiveness we find in you. I just pray over every single person who is trusted in Jesus, who is trusting in Jesus right now, that they would know there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life has set them free from the law of sin and death. And God, we pray that you would make this a regular pattern in our lives reflection on our sin, confession of it, and turning from it, sorrow over it, and running from it. 
God, make us a people who are serious about sin. Don't let us continue in our lives, in a church, in a church culture that's casual with sin. Make us holy, we pray, as you are holy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's so much here. Like when you, when you gather with your church group, is there repentance like this happening? When you're alone with God, and then when we gather together, God teaches to pray, to repent, and to ask. So, yes, yes, it's good and right to ask God for things in prayer, for good things. This, Jesus tells us, ask, and it will be given to you. Like, that's a command. Ask me, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Yes. Are you hearing this straight from Jesus? Yes. God is the perfect Father yes. who loves giving good things to his children when they what? Yes. When they ask him. Yes. You see the foolishness of prayerlessness. If the great God in heaven over all saying, ask me for good things. And we're like, ah, I've got better things to do. Now you might think, but I've asked God for things he hasn't given before. But that's kind of the point. When that happens, we don't think, I shouldn't have asked. We think, I, I trust. If we think the same thing, we would want our child to think when they ask for something that we know is not best for them and we don't give it, we want them to not say, well, I shouldn't have asked, but okay, I asked, but I'm going to trust that my dad loves me and is wiser than me and knows some things I don't know. Yes. In this case, he's all wise. He's perfectly wise. He knows all things that we don't know. So we can trust. When I ask for bread, he's not giving me a stone. When you ask for fish, he doesn't give you serpents. It's not what a good father does. He's a perfect father. So we can trust him. So we can keep asking for good things from his hand. Trusting him and knowing that anything good we have, it's going to come from his hand. Yes. Right? Do we believe that? Yes. Every, any good thing comes from the hand of God. Yes. If we believe that, then what should we do? <laughs> ask for good things. In our lives, like, I think about the last couple days being at a parenting conference here. Huh, I'm so desperate as a parent for help. Like so, and I, I'm sitting there listening. They did such a great job. David Thomas and Siffy Goff, Sissy Goff are raising boys and girls. Like, their books, their podcasts are so helpful. And I'm sitting there thinking, I just wish they could, like, come home with me and be, like, like right there in every situation. Be like, all right, what do I do now? And then it hits me. I got somebody better. I got the God who made them, who knows a lot better than they do. I've got his spirit living inside of me. So I need to just ask in that moment, God, I need some help. And he promises to give it to me. He promises to give me wisdom when I need wisdom. 
Strength when need strength. I found myself all week long. This is no exaggeration. Even beyond parenting, just my life, family, and work, just constantly saying, God, I, I don't know what to do. I need your wisdom. God, I need your joy right now. Because I'm not feeling it. I need strength. I need help. And then to ask for these things, not just on our lives, but we get to ask for these things for others. What a blessing. Not just to say, I'll pray for you, and then kind of move on. But to do it. Like to step in and press in and say, I'm going to ask for that for you. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep asking. Until there's a breakthrough, I'm going to keep asking for that for you. Just think about somebody just right before I came up here just sharing something heavy on their heart. Just praying for them. And I want to keep praying until there's a breakthrough on that. This is what we do as a church. When, when we have things in our lives, our immediate impulse is to go to God in prayer and ask others, pray for me. Pray with me about this. So what we do, uh, our church group this last week, my church group meeting together, we're just sharing stories of how God has answered prayers over, for each other's lives over the last few months. It was awesome. This is what we do. This is what a church does. We need this in our lives. So I want to lead us right now to ask God on behalf of each other. So. We've done this different times before. Uh, I want us to pray in two ways. So the first way is we're going to pray for each other in this gathering right now. There are people who have walked into this gathering today who are carrying some heavy things on their hearts and just weighty things walking through some kind of valley where there's just extra need for grace. We need grace to get up in the morning. We need grace to do anything. Sometimes we need extra measures of grace. And some of you are there right now, uh, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, physically, vocationally in your work. So in just a minute, I'm going to ask anybody who would say, yeah, I'm there. I just need an extra measure of grace right now. I'm going to ask you to stand in this room and other locations. And nobody, you're not going to be put on the spot and have to share all that's going on. Although I want you to feel free to do that when the, uh, after the gathering or certainly in church groups or different locations. But, but in this moment, you're just going to stand by your standing and be saying, I need yeah, some extra grace. And then I'm going to ask people to just come, put a hand on your shoulder, and say, we're going to pray for you. And they're just going to start praying over you. We're going to pray for each other. Now, if you are, like, still a little nervous about being around people and people touching you, then just kind of give them a sign. Be like, no thanks. You can stand, but then be like, keep your distance. And that's where we're family. You can say that, and they'll be like, okay, that's fine. I'll just stand right here and pray for you. So, um, but I want us to have time where we pray, ask God for each other right now, believing that God hears our cries, and he'll answer. He's ready to give some, some uh, not stones and serpents, but some fish and bread. Okay? So, if you would say, yeah, I'm walking through something right now. I have, yeah, I just need, I need some grace for what I'm walking through, an extra measure of grace. Would you stand up all across this room and in other locations right now? And I hope, I hope you know this is a totally safe place to do this, just all across this room, like tons of people I know walking through all kinds of different things. So just say, and don't think, I, uh, I don't know if mine is as much as somebody else's, so I'm not going to, like, you're kind of missing the point. This is, this is, if you need some extra grace in your life, this is an opportunity for the church to gather around you and just pray for you. So, obviously I can't see in other locations, but I'm going to give you just a second, like, if there's any hesitation in you, I pray God gives you boldness to stand. Just say, yeah, I need grace. And to know that there's a whole body right now that just wants to come around you and be a picture of God's love for you and pray for you. Okay, anybody else? Okay. All right, you see people standing near you, okay? 
See people standing. If there's somebody standing near you, let's all stand up. If there's somebody standing near you, kind of make your way over to them. Just put a hand on their shoulder, unless they tell you not to, uh, which is totally fine. But otherwise, just stand and, and we'll do this all together. But if you got somebody close to you, then go. And I just, I want... Well, I'm going to lead us in prayer, but just like we were doing a minute ago, if you want to pray out loud, feel free. You just start praying out loud too. But I'm going to lead us in prayer for all of these who have stood. Uh, But you feel free to pray over them right there as well. Uh, God, oh, what a privilege to come before you on behalf of these who are standing. And I don't, I don't. I don't know if they're all our brothers and sisters in Christ. I assume there may be some who are standing right now who, who have not put their trust in you. I pray that this would be the moment where they put their trust in you. Jesus, they would feel your body wrapped around them right now. I pray for those who are brothers and sisters. They would feel family, brothers and sisters in Christ around them right now. And you as our Father, as we pray on their behalf, God, we intercede for them For our brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters, we pray, Philippians 4, supply all their needs, God. We're asking you to supply all their needs according to the glory and riches that are available in Christ Jesus. We pray that amidst whatever they're going through, they would not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition to present their request to you. And we pray that your peace that passes all understanding would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. God, we pray for their strength your strength and their weakness. God, we pray for your wisdom, for whatever they're walking through. You would help them to know what's the next step to take. We pray for your new mercies to be theirs in abundance every morning. We pray that as they walk through this valley, they would know you are with them and that they have no reason to fear. God, we pray that you would remove fear, you would remove worry, anxiety. We pray Isaiah 43 over them, that they would hear you saying to them right now, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through waters, I will be with you. When you pass through rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned because you are precious and honored in my sight, and I love you. God, we, we pray Joshua 1 over them, that they would be strong and courageous amidst what they're walking through, that they would meditate on your word and your promises, your promises to work all these things together for their good. We pray that you would do it, oh God, work these things together for their good in ways they can't even see right now. God, give them faith, trust in you during these days. God, remind them of your gospel of your love for them that has sealed them for all of eternity, that they can trust you with the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year, whatever they're walking through. God, we pray for the salvation of others through what they're walking through. God, would you bring more people to Christ through this as they see your sufficiency in our brothers' and sisters' lives. God, we pray for your glory and their good, knowing that you desire both those things, knowing that all these things we have asked according to your word will be given to us. Oh God, we praise you for these promises. You are our healer. You are our hope. You are our joy. You are our life. And we pray that these brothers and sisters right now would feel your love for them, your promises to them, your presence with them, your provision for them in every single way they need. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 This is what we do. So keep standing, keep standing. We're going to do one more thing. This is what we do as a church. We pray for each other. 
and not just kind of here and there. This is, this is how we live, praying for each other like this, and not just for each other. So they put on the screen uh, uh, Yemen. Um, this is from, I think it's going to be on the screen in a minute. There it is. So Yemen, this is from uh, uh, part of our website, mcleanbible.org slash go pray. So every week, I don't know if you're aware of this, every week you can go to the site. There's a country we're praying for as a church. Do this as your life, your family, family worship. Do this as a church group. But here's, here's the information about Yemen. 30 million people, totally unreached. You see the percent evangelical, 0.02%. If you do the math, there are more Christians gathered at NBC locations today than in all of Yemen. So somebody's got to pray for them. Who's going to stand in the gap for Yemen? And you can read all this. I won't read the whole thing, but it's talking about like one of the worst humanitarian crises in the world, in the middle of civil war and all the effects of that, poverty, physical urgent physical need, urgent spiritual need. You read about the small group of Christians who meet in secret in small groups and uh, they says they experience extreme opposition, imprisonment, even death if caught. Talks about our partners there. And I would just say without going into details because of security reasons, like there's faces that go with that description. Extreme operation, opposition, imprisonment, and even death if caught. So I want us to unite right now in prayer before our Father in heaven for him to hear thousands of voices in this gathering interceding on behalf of men and women in Yemen, on behalf of our brothers and sisters there and people who've never even heard the good news about Jesus, the name of Jesus before in Yemen. And to know right now we've been invited by God to be a part of, join with him in what he's doing in Yemen. Right here right now. So let's go for it. You just start praying all across this room out loud. Let's pray for Yemen. Let's pray for the church in Yemen. Let's pray for uh, the lost in Yemen. Uh, Go for it. Go for it. You keep praying. God, you hear these cries for Yemen. You hear our cries for Yemen. Hear our cries, God, and answer. God, we pray, hear our cries for our brothers and sisters there. You love them, help them, strengthen them. These brothers and sisters in prison, God, please give them everything they need. Uphold them with your righteous right hand. Strengthen their faith. Give them boldness to proclaim the gospel, even in prison, we pray. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. We pray for their families, for your provision for them as they have... Moms or dads in prison, God, please, cause the gospel to spread. Show the emptiness of Islam and the beauty of Jesus. We pray for that. Jesus, cause your name to be known and enjoyed and glorified across Yemen. We said it earlier. You have power to bring millions of Christians in Yemen. God, bring it about, we pray. We ask for that. God, bring it about. Starting with individual believers today, God, please move in power across the country of Yemen. Cause Yemenis to trust in you, to have eyes open, to see Jesus. Cause more laborers to go into that harvest field, to make the gospel known there. 
God, we pray for persecutors of Christians there. We pray for Saul-like conversions. God, would you do that today? Would you do that even now as we're praying? We're asking, God, would you take somebody who's persecuting Christians? Would you reveal yourself in power to them in a way that they turn and trust in Christ and become proclaimers of the gospel? God, please, you have power to do that right now. We're asking you to do that right now. Oh God, we pray, hallowed be your name in all the earth, hallowed be your name in Yemen. All God's people who desire that, who long for that, we pray in Jesus' name. We all said, amen, amen. Amen. Why would we not do this all the time? Why would my, our prayer lives be so focused on just what I see right around me? When I, we have been invited to join the God and what he's doing in Yemen. So we ask, we ask, all right, you can have a seat. We're going to close out here. I, I hope again, just wedding appetite, P-R-A-Y, yield, yield. So it just makes sense, doesn't it, as we pray in all these ways to then say, so God, here's my life. However you want, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, my life is yours. I just want to follow your lead, no strings attached. If that's, go to Yemen, I'm ready to go to Yemen. If that sounds extreme to you, then you don't understand Christianity. You've died to yourself. You've surrendered the right to determine the direction of your life. You trust Jesus with your life. Of course you'd say, I'll go to Yemen. It's it's everybody. This is what it means to be a Christian, to yield. Here's my life. Whatever you want me to do. And then for us as a church to say that, God, whatever you want us to do. That's one of my prayers for us as we walk through this series as a church, that we would just be wide open. God, we want to be the healthiest church, biblical church you call us to be, whatever that means. No matter how extreme that sounds to us, even if that's way out of our box, what we'll do, whatever. No matter how uh, crazy it may sound to the world, we'll do whatever. We just want to follow your lead. No strings attached. And here, here's the verse straight from Jesus for this one. Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. This is how he taught us to pray. This is the last thing he said. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, lead us. Our hands are wide open. Our eyes are on you. We just want to follow your lead, no matter what that means. And deliver us from evil, deliver us from ourselves. Lead us to accomplish your will. We're yours. So, so I want to lead us to pray this together. And uh, there's so much more here, but we got, we got late night prayer coming up. And maybe we need to figure out how do we do this more and more and more all the time. So there's a lot to dive into there. But I, I want to lead us right now to pray uh, a prayer. So I went back in church history and I I pulled together some prayers from Augustine in the fourth century. It's a pretty awesome thought. Uh, Some prayers that have been passed down for 1,600 years that Christians have prayed at different points and to join in with the global body of Christ throughout history. And so um, he didn't speak English, so they've been translated. But uh, I'm gonna put them up here and I just wanna lead us to pray this all together. So can we, can we stand in this room, all across our locations, and I just want to pray this out loud with you for us to make this our prayer of surrender, yielding to God. In light of brothers and sisters who've been praying these words for thousands of years.
Let's pray it out loud together. Oh, holy, unspeakable, wonderful, and mighty God, whose wisdom has no end, before whom all powers tremble, our Father, you are love, and to know you is life, to serve you is freedom, to enjoy you is a kingdom, and to praise you is the happiness of our souls. Our lives are restless apart from rest in you. We commit and commend ourselves unto you. Let our minds take refuge from the crowding turmoil of worldly thoughts beneath the shadow of your wings. Let our hearts, these seas of tumultuous waves, find peace in you. Be pleased to direct and govern all our thoughts and actions that we may serve you and devote ourselves entirely to obeying you. O maker and preserver of all things, we trust in your mercy alone for safety and protection. Rescue us, O Lord, from every temptation. Guide us by your perfect light and guard us with the power of your grace here and in all places, now and at all times until the race of life is run and we rest in your perfect security as our blessed eternity. Amen. Oh God, teach us to pray as you've designed us to pray. And help us not to hold back in any way from experiencing the thrill of communion with you that you've designed for us. We just don't want to settle for anything less than all you've designed for us in prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Your inbox is filled with bad news every day. War poverty, persecution. Across the world, pain comes in many forms. And in places like Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Syria, and North Korea, bad news isn't just on social media or TV. It's on the streets. It's breaking up homes. It's attacking churches. But God is at work. Urgent fuels the work of indigenous believers bringing the good news to people in desperate need. And the work has already begun. Good news is on the way. Give today at urgentneeds.org.